Hello and welcome to the Knits Beyond Normal podcast. This is episode 19. I'm Kate and welcome to the show. This is a weekly podcast where I talk about knitting, yarn and zombies, dragons and other geeky things. If you hear something you're interested in today, you can check out my blog at knitsbeyondnormal.blogspot.com. You can also check me out in Ravelry under the Groups tab if you search Knits Beyond Normal. And I am available via email through, you guessed it, knitsbeyondnormal at gmail.com. If you're interested in subscribing or finding links to things, you can subscribe through iTunes. And you can find links to things I mention on the show on the blog. So let's go ahead and jump into the show. Uh, first of all, this morning we have some business to address. Um, I am trying to figure out the best schedule going forward for the podcast. So during the school year, our household has a pretty stable routine with days off and school and sports and different things. But during the summer, we're kind of experiencing a bit of a flux. So after a little bit of thinking, I know there was no episode last week, and what I think I'm going to do for summertime, just to take a little bit of pressure off myself, um, is that I think we're going to do the show every other week just during the summertime, and then I'll go back to weekly when we hit fall, just because there's going to be, we're going to be taking some trips, and there's some different things going on. Plus, um, every other week, because Game of Thrones is ending soon, it'll give me more time to come up with different topics, and everybody's busy in the summer. So if you don't see an episode from me next week, it'll be because I'm on the new schedule where it's every other week, and hopefully I'll be able to do that. Um, It might fluctuate throughout the summer. We'll see. But if you ever have any questions, shoot me an email. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, It's Beyond Normal now has a Twitter. Yes, I jumped back into the world of social media with a Twitter. So um, I am on Twitter at Knits Beyond Norm because they only give you so many characters. So if you want to follow me on there, I've so far I've just been retweeting a lot of different Comic-Con information and some cool nature photography people that I follow. So I'll always be looking for new people to chat with on there as well. So I'm going to jump into knitting patterns and projects. Oh my... And I have to get real this week. So all you knitters out there, have you ever just had a project suddenly give out on you? Just have a heart attack and suddenly drop dead like mid-stitch? You know, it's one of those situations where you're all excited about the pattern at the beginning, right? It's a great design. You see all these wonderful examples. The yarn seemed like a great choice. And then you get going and halfway through it just kind of all falls apart. That's kind of what happened to me in the last two weeks with the Monet cardigan project I mentioned in the last show. Now, this is, this is I think, no fault of the pattern. I'm definitely going to try this at another time with different colors. This, honestly, I think it had to do with the color combo. When I first started, I thought this was going to be this great combo. I have this nice gray, this light pink, and this light blue. And for some reason, when they all started getting knitted together and the way the pattern blended the colors, it was just like mud like it didn't work like I don't know what it was it just they didn't blend they like all kind of faded into each other and it just looked gross it it totally reminded me of you remember when you get the watercolor sets when you're a little kid and you all these colors look so pretty and you just can't wait to use all of them and so you get impatient and you start mixing colors thinking that you're Picasso and and then you look down at your paper and all you're getting is like this kind of gray brown muddy wash out of your colors because you haven't been cleaning your brush. That's kind of how this turned out. So I ended up after, and I waffled because I almost had the entire yoke done before I looked down and realized this is what was happening. Before I really sat and looked at it, and I looked at it in different lights, and I really gave it like every chance it could have had. But then 
ended up having to have a come to Jesus moment with the project and rip it out. So that did get frogged and it took me about a day of having to just not knit anything and think about it. But I had promised this particular pro uh, gift for somebody of a baby project for them to pick out. So what I ended up doing was taking the smokestack and DK twist was the gray I had been using, which is by itself just a beautiful light gray. It's, it's very light. It's almost like a dove gray. And I ended up pairing it with a different pink and choosing another pattern, a pattern that I know I can do quickly and also that has had really great reviews from the finished result before from other gifted people. And I paired, so I paired the smokestack with a carnation pink in DK Twist, which I had um, almost a whole ball left in my stash from another project a while ago. And this is just... I had been using stucco before, which was a very, very pale pink, like almost just a tinted white, whereas carnation is a true light pink. Like it's just that baby girl pink. And with the gray, it works well. It's bright enough to be cheerful, but the gray tones it down from being like too overly bright. And the pattern that I ended up going with is one that I own in my library. And it's called Elwood by Jenny Webe. And forgive me because I know I'm probably pronouncing your name wrong but it's the designer's name is Jenny and then W-I-E-B-E -E. and the pattern is called Elwood and this is a very sweet little cardigan pattern that comes in quite a few sizes it's got big stripes and it's got a cute little shawl collar that you do at the end and pick up some ribbing and I've made this project before and it fits the children well it goes very quickly because it's got a stockinette body and sleeves and it's a really good way to do big stripes especially if you're doing a smaller size and use up like single stash skeins that might pair together well so this true true to true to form has gone very quickly I'm just finishing up the bottom of the ribbing today as a podcast and then I'll be putting on the sleeves and this should be I'm gonna do a little set of booties and a hat to go together with this and I did it in the six month size because it's summer and the baby is just joined us in the last month so she's probably gonna be able to wear this as we go into fall so it'll be a perfect time give it enough time to get blocked and gifted and then to be used when it's ready so this works well, but you know, I, I am going to be doing another Manet cardigan later on when I can find a better color combo because the pattern is great, it was well written, and it has a really cute effect. It's just the colors this time didn't cooperate. So since I've been gone next two weeks this time, we have two Game of Thrones episodes to talk about. And the good news is, is things are getting really good. The bad news is, is that the season only has two episodes left. Ah, I, I love Game of Thrones, but it seems like it goes so quickly. It, even though it's 10 weeks, I don't know why, it just flies. But the nice thing about taking a week off is that we do have two episodes to talk about. So, spoiler warning, as always here, if you have not seen episodes 7 and 8 of season 6, which were titled The Broken Man and No One, then you might want to skip the section this week. So, I'm going to kind of do a quick recap since I have two episodes to get through and I don't want to just babble on forever, but there were some really good moments in The Broken Man. Now this episode, to sum up, was basically kind of updated you with what's going on at River Run, which is where Jamie Lannister was sent, and also what's going on a little bit with Arya out in Braavos, and 
Sansa and John up in the north. So Sansa and John up in the north are going on this tour to the northern houses trying to gather men to go up against Ramsay. And we see some interesting scenes. And honestly, the best part of The Broken Man for me was Liana Mormont. And she has been everywhere on social media. Everybody seemed to love her scene. This is a 10-year-old little girl who's now the head of House Mormont. And when they go in there, Sansa tries to sweet talk her like you would a little girl but it's very clear that Liana Mormon is not having any of it like she she just isn't dealing with it she basically just chops Sansa down saying I don't know whether she doesn't seem to be a Stark she's either a Lannister or a Bolton and John doesn't seem too versed in diplomatics with children but luckily Sir Davos Seaworth is there to kind of jump in and relate to her in the way that he used to work with Princess Shireen and you can kind of there's kind of a, a sense to that scene that that's that's where he got his skill of dealing with a younger girl and so he basically helps convince the Mormons to help them but the Mormons aren't a large house so they are only able to offer up 62 soldiers to their meager army of wildlings and we also see that at House Glover they basically Sansa tries to get all haughty again and is taken down another notch because the House Glover lost so many men following her brother so things aren't really looking good because the Boltons apparently have a lot of men but they and the Starks seem to be having a little bit of trouble rounding up people. So it I don't know if they're getting ready to just be annihilated or what. I'm really interested for next week because next week is the legendary Battle of the Bastards, which they've been teasing now for some time. So the other, other big things in this episode were we see... Arya a little bit in Bravos, and she's trying to buy passage back to Westeros, but she gets ambushed by the Waif, who's wearing someone else's face, and she gets stabbed. This was kind of at the end of the episode, and this was the moment where I basically leaned over to the person I was watching it with and said, I swear to you, if they kill off Arya Stark, I quit this show. I quit it. She's one of my favorite characters, and she has so much potential, they cannot kill her off yet. She needs to at least get back to Westeros and do some damage before they let her go. But there was quite a bit of that on social media. I wasn't the only one hollering at the screen, apparently. Back over at River Run, Jamie has joined in cahoots again with the wonderful Braun, who always is great for a bit of comic relief. And he is taking a Lannister army to retake River Run, which apparently the Freys have lost to a siege by Brynden the Blackfish Tully which is a relative of the Starks. So he's retaken his his family home of River Run, and the Freys are not having an easy time. They're trying to use Edmure Tully as a threat, and the Blackfish calls their bluff. It's basically just not going well. He's barricaded in there, and they claim to have enough supplies to wait out any army. So Jamie tries to bargain with the Blackfish. He tries to figure out how to retake the castle, and the Blackfish basically is just like, you know, you're going to have to kill me first. And that's kind of where we leave it. There wasn't really a lot of traction in this episode with that, but they saved it more for no one. So I'm I'm going to jump into no one now because these two episodes kind of almost together made up like one episode plot wise. I mean, there was some really great scenes, don't get me wrong, but be- between them, it almost felt like one big setup episode for the great big episodes coming up next week and the week after. So we all know episode nine is always huge and then episode 10 is a big one as well. So in No One, Arya is in Bravos. She managed to 
get away from the waif who had stabbed her, which seemed fatally, but she ends up going to Lady Crane, the actress whose life she refused to take, and it turns out that Lady Crane knows how to patch up stab wounds. So we... I guess we're we're supposed to believe that Arya had enough clothing on that maybe the knife didn't get far enough in to cause any fatal damage, but we see Arya a little bit at the beginning getting this help, but then, you know, she's convinced to sleep and heal, and then we don't see her till the end. But we get quite a bit over at River Run, so uh, Brienne arrives with Podrick at Jamie Lannister's camp outside of River Run and she talks to Jamie and the two of them have a moment and you get this sense with Jamie and Brienne that they're similar and not. It's almost like they're mirror images and they kind of see that in each other. Like Brienne brings out the more honorable side of Jamie and the person he kind of wishes he could be whereas Jamie kind of represents to Brienne what she could become if she let go of some of her principles and her honor. But they, you know, they're they're both knights. She still has his sword. He refuses to take it back. And, you know, well, it's not necessarily a love interest relationship, you think, because he's too focused on Cersei and she seems like she could never really go there. It, it's an interesting relationship to watch and the two actors play it very well. I absolutely love Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brienne of Tarth. And I believe his name is Nikolai, and then he has a, a double last name that I'm not going to try to butcher. But he, he does Jamie very well, and the scene is, is a satisfying scene, even though it's in such a desperate situation. The other really great scene at the camp here, I felt, was uh, Braun and Podrick. Now, this scene made me laugh out loud. Braun is a great actor. He does the character very well. And he just brings that, that needed little laugh in all these really serious situations, even though he knows how serious they are, too. So he basically is joking around with Podrick about the connection between Brienne and Jamie, and he kind of speaks for the fandom and then makes a joke, and then he claims to try to teach Podrick how to street fight, because Podrick is being trained in the sword fighting by Brienne, but not really in protecting himself from being ambushed, which is how Bronn shows up to choke him in the beginning. But Brienne ends up getting permission from Jamie to go into the castle and try to negotiate with the Blackfish. It doesn't go well... At first, the Blackfish doesn't believe her that she's aiding Sansa, and then he does, but he's still not going to give up. And it, it's basically kind of a lost cause at this point. You, you get the sense that the Blackfish knows that he's not going to win, but he doesn't want to surrender either. And as the episode goes on, he, you know, makes sure that Brienne gets out safely to keep aiding Sansa in her quest, but he stays and sacrifices himself for his home. Although we never quite see him get killed, but we're told that he does off-screen, which was kind of a cop-out, but, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. So, other things in this episode, we get a little bit of Tyrion and Varys in Marine, and it sounds like Varys is going out on a secret mission. Is he going to go check out what's going on in Westeros? What's he going to do? But the coincidentally, as soon as he leaves, Tyrion's bragging about how Marine's doing really well. We get a cute scene with him trying to teach Missandei how to tell a joke. And then the masters return for their property. They start, you know, bombing Marine. It gets really ugly. And at the very end, we get a shaking pyramid, and who should arrive but Miss Daenerys herself. Drogon apparently lands her on top of the pyramid, but she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything. They, we see her, and that's it. 
And then we have to wait until probably episode 10 to see what happens there, because it looks like next week is going to be all up in the north. But maybe they'll give us a hint. The, the, my only hope is Danny came in on Drogon. Where's the rest of her army? How far ahead of them is she? Are they going to show up in the nick of time to save the city? Or is she going to be way ahead of them and have to figure out something else in the meantime? Who knows? But I like that we're getting Tyrion and Danny back in the same place. Because those two characters, as fan fiction as it is, I like seeing them interact. Part of it is because I really like both actors. But I'm really curious to see how this plot line is going to be resolved on the show. And the best thing about this week, oh my goodness, the best thing about this week, let's just say it, Arya finally gets the thing going. Arya finally gets the moment that we've been waiting for since we met the House of Black and White. At least me. You can tell because I'm getting all animated. But Arya has one of the best ending lines of an episode that we've seen lately. And this moment, ever since we saw that the waif enjoys beating her up, we wanted to see Arya get her. And, spoiler warning, if you didn't listen to the first one, here's one more chance. Pause the tape. Pause the MP3, however you're listening to me, because, spoiler warning, the way finally gets to killed. She finally gets killed. Oh, Arya finally gets to have her comeuppance. And at first we think that she is leading the waif on this wild goose chase. And this the chase scene through Bravos. okay, I am not the only one who caught this, because my first impression is I said this out loud and then I saw it on the internet the next morning. They portrayed the waif like the T-1000 in Terminator 2. She's just, like, impenetrable, she's faster, she's racing, she's knocking people out of the way, and she's just running full tilt like nothing's going to stop her. And she, like, the, the actress plays it well. I mean, she's supposed to be this unstoppable assassin, right? But in the end, it turns out that our girl Arya has been leading her into a trap, into a small dark area where she has needle, and then she cuts up her candle so that she can fight in the dark using her blind training with a sword. And in the end, we see a faceless man wearing Jock and Hager's face once again. And he sees blood drops in the House of Black and White. He follows them down to the Hall of Faces. And whose face is now on the wall? Not Arya Stark, but the wave. So, and there's Arya with her beloved needle. And she basically says you sent her to kill me he admits it but then he praises her so this is all left to go back to the original fan theory of was it all just a big setup did he want them to go up against each other to see who would win and you know he says finally a girl is no one but Arya's realized that's not what she wants anymore and maybe that was the whole point we get the sense of that from this conversation but she says no, a girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell, and I am going home. And I think everybody cheered at that point. Everybody cheered. Because that's what we wanted to hear from Arya for like two seasons. So <laughs> I, was, I, for one, was just so happy she didn't get killed off, that she's going to be going home. I really hope that we get to at least see her reunite with Sansa and Jon, even just for a moment. I could also see her showing up in the nick of time to assassinate Ramsay, who knows? But I just hope we get her back. I hope she gets to reunite with her wolf, who is one of the last two standing, I believe. And overall, it was a really good episode, and I can't wait for next week. So there's a lot of theories floating around about the Battle of the Bastards next week and the finale. I'd love for you to tell me what you think. I started a thread in my group on Ravelry to talk about Game of Thrones theories. So if any of you are Ravelers, please join into the group and tell me your thoughts. Jump on in, or you can always comment on the blog. 
and let's go ahead and jump into random roster for this week. Now, random roster is going to be truly random because one of the big things on my mind that I'm going to talk about first is water safety and kids and swimming. Now, we've recently, a friend of ours has got a new place where there is a swimming pool. So I have been taking my little man to the pool. This is a kid who used to be terrified of water. He did do swim lessons last summer, but he only got so far. And one of the big things this summer was trying to get a kid in swim lessons when you work full time. Sometimes is a logistical nightmare. You have to have them there every single day at a certain time. Almost all of them are offered during my work hours. So we tried to look up ways to help him with swimming, maybe outside of the general route of swim lessons. And I can't really afford private lessons. So I found a lot of really neat tips on how to teach kids how to swim. And some of these things have worked really well. So one thing I did want to talk about was a blogger post that I found. Uh, this is a blog I found. It's called CheeriosAndLattes.com. And I found this through Pinterest, but it looks like she's a mommy blogger of sorts about parenting. And she posts a series about beginner swimming techniques and lessons. And I really liked this. I read through it. And of course, you always want to, if you can get your kids in swim lessons or have private lessons, you want to go that route. But if you're going to be swimming with your kids, these are, these are good things to know. These are good things to have them practicing at the very least. And she talks about how to teach kids how to enter the pool, different sitting positions for kids to get into the pool and how to get out of it, teaching them how how to kick properly, what kinds of floaties will help, what kinds will hinder, different games. And I really think this is a great resource for parents like me who are getting their kids used to the water, who are going into pools this summer with kids that might not be proficient just yet. And it looks like a really great read and I would super recommend it. So that's at CheeriosAndLattes.com and Beginning Swimming Lessons. And I'll link that on the blog if you want to check that out. Now, other news in Random Roster is, uh, as I've been talking about recently, uh, SDCC 2016 is coming up extremely fast. I don't know about you, but I'm getting more and more excited. They're starting to release more exclusives. And one thing that came out this week is the Comic-Con shirts are now available for pre-order. Now, the thing about these is you have to be going to Comic-Con to be able to get them because you can only pick them up with a badge during the event. So these is, this is not an off-site thing. This is something that you have to be there to pick up. But they have five different designs, and you can pre-order them so that they're already paid for, but supposedly they are going to have a very long line from everything I've read. And they're also starting to release the different panels that are going to be coming this year, and they're starting to get the schedule building which I'm excited about. I definitely am interested in trying to get in on the Walking Dead panels. And there's supposed to be some different Suicide Squad stuff going on as well. So that's those are some of the things that I plan on stocking, let alone just being a people watcher and having to see everything I can. Every, every time I talk to somebody who has been to Comic-Con, they're always like, oh, you have no idea what you're in for. I personally can't wait. I'm so excited. Every time I see something new, I'm just like, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to see everything I want to see. But I'm going to certainly try and also try not to break the bank while I'm at it. So for those of you who have gone, who are going, I would love to hear your tips for must-sees, things not to miss, best things to spend your money on, what things not to waste your money on. Jump in the comments on the blog or jump in the Ravelry group. I'm going to start a thread there once we get some more people hanging out there and see if I can, we can trade tips. I would love your, your favorites, your, your must-dos, your must-avoids. 
anything would help me out. And if you just if you want to email me tips and get a conversation, please do. I'm at knitsbeyondnormal at gmail.com. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it off here this week because I have some things that I have to go get done because summer is a demanding time here and appointments have to be done during camp hours or they don't get done. So hope you had a good two weeks and hope the new schedule is going to work for you as well as it's going to work for me. Hope you're out enjoying the summer weather. And as always, guys, remember the best place to be is a little bit beyond normal. Have a good week.